Hello, everybody, and welcome to the November 11th episode of the Breakaway Bandits podcast, part of the Sports Insanity Network. My name is Nathan Moser, joined as always by Mike Rifkin and Noah Tremblay. Guys, uh, this is the first episode we're doing since the season started. We're about like 10 to 14 games, depending on which team you, you obviously you root for. Uh, how are you guys doing? We're, we're, do, we're doing better than the Sharks and the Oilers. Oh, yeah, right. We're going in swinging right on the first episode. Um, although I've heard Oilers and sh- at least Oiler fans say uh, on like another podcast, like, please, please give us all of the crap <laughs> because just like they're just they're saying that they deserve it just because they yeah, we'll, we'll get in. We'll get into them. But um, yeah, we, we uh, Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing great. But let's just be honest, because we got to get into the spirit. Everything we say about the Oilers is just going to be gravy today. Yeah, yeah, no, it's. Uh, I, I mean, and we and we're going to talk about the Sharks as well, um, because that's been. I mean, we're we're talking. They might be one of, having one of the worst seasons of all time in the league history, but. Uh, and right now, as we speak, both teams are tied, so we kind of have to talk about both of them, which is, uh, for one, it's kind of a little bit expected. The other one is, uh, wow, we'll, we'll dive into that. Um, but first thing um, that, that we, we need to, to address is um, 29-year-old hockey forward Adam Johnson passed away on October 28th after an on-ice collision that resulted in a cut to his neck. Uh, players around the world have started wearing neck guards and tributes have gone out for Johnson. Um, guys, this is one of the most obvious questions I will probably ever ask on this show. But do leagues need to mandate neck guards? And I I mean, I'll, I'll just go f- first before I have you guys. Uh, absolutely they do. And uh, I can get into why, but I'll, I'll let you guys go. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a definite yes. It's the big, it's the most obvious question ever. Yes, they absolutely should. Um, you know, you you're talking about. I know it's a freak accident. This is like the first first time a person has died from from this type of injury. But you are talking about skating around on skates that could can do this type of damage, and it's not like it's wearing a ridiculously over over the top thing it's you're wearing a simple neck guard it's just a thing around your neck so that way your neck doesn't get sliced open if this happens it's to me it, it, it should have been done years ago years and years ago and nate i'm sure you'll bring it up but there were times where you know the, they they have had the warning signs for years with this and now it's taken someone dying to to really say that hey we really need should have change here um, so yeah, I, I think it's an obvious, yes, they need to. Yeah. They, they neck guards need are needed to be mandated. Um, I, I go back to Richard Zednick and mm-hmm. that, that situation. And, um, I, I remember seeing the images of that and I go, be honest, it gives you, Makes me squirm a bit. It's ugh, not not a fan of blood, but yeah, neck guards are needed. 
we, we hear this in every sport. Player safety. That is what we are looking for here. The NHL, Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, the head of the PA. Let's make this a thing. I, I don't want to hear it's an option now. Just make it mandated. You mandated helmets, I'll- mandated the visors. Let's mandate this as well. <clears throat> you, you, Mike, you brought up Richard Zednick. I mean, I'll go back even further. Uh, Clint Malarchuk is the same thing, where where he he almost died because his neck got sliced, and that was back in like the late '80s, you know. So this is something that you know th- between Malarchuk and Zednick, both guys um, were fortunate enough that they got the medical attention they needed, and they're they're both still around today, um, and th- and um, you know, but. Why did we need – why did someone have to pass for them to finally take action? We talked about Malarchuk. We talked about Zednik. It never, ever should have gotten to this point. And that's the frustrating part. And it's not just the NHL. The uh, There's all these other leagues that don't mandate it either. This isn't just us saying, hey, or me saying, hey, NHL, what are we doing here? You know, it was the league that this happened in with Johnson. It was the these other leagues, the junior leagues, the minor leagues. It's everybody who does not mandate this. It needs to be mandated. And we've started to see players after the, everything that happened with Johnson start to wear neck guards in the NHL. And I think there, there was another league that was going to mandate it. I don't remember which league it was off the top of my head. Um but we're seeing players take action. But my whole frustrating part of this was that we can't just pretend that Zednik didn't happen or that Malarchuk didn't happen. You knew that this happened multiple times. And it was fortunate enough that everyone was okay out of that and you still didn't do anything about it. It should have never come to this. And that's part of the big frustration with this is that it never should have taken anybody's life. And it has. So, you know, the positive of this is that it it seems like, you know, now players are starting to be wearing these. Again, it should just be mandated. It's great that players are choosing to do this now, but it, it, it needs to be mandated. There shouldn't be a choice. It's for safety. Mike, you said it best. It's for safety. This is for player safety. If, if you're serious about safety, this should have been done a long time ago, but just mandate it now. Yeah. And it's like tech do it until the, the off season. I don't know if that's like a thing where the board has to meet, but uh, as soon as it's, you can mandate it. Um, uh, and I wanted to point out, uh, this is an article from ESPN and it answering the question of why would anyone be opposed to wearing neck protection and hall of famer, Haley Wicken, Wickenheiser he called out players who don't want to wear it because he's like, is there an issue with how it looks? Is that all you care about? Like you said, a Haley Wickenheiser. Yes. Okay. He said, I know it may not pass the cool factor, but it's time for mandatory neck protection at every level in hockey. The risk is far too great not to who wore and uh, Wickenheiser who wore a neck guard while playing for the Canadian national team. Um, It's like, it is ridiculous. Like, Oh, I don't like the way it looks. It looks bad on my uniform. Like who cares? Do you want your neck slit open? No, then do it. Like 
it, it, it like you said, it, it there comes a point where it's like, okay, we, we have to we have to just mandate this and say, look, you either wear it or you don't, and you don't play. Tough. I and, and the thing is, is that like like people will make tickets. Oh well, it's a, it was these are all fluke things, and it's like, but like, why would you want to risk it at all? Because like, just because it's fluky doesn't mean you shouldn't be protecting yourself. Like. That's it, it, it's it's careless to not try to protect yourself as much as you possibly can. Um, I know this wasn't the case with a net with uh, someone's neck, but I mean, look at the Evander Kane thing that happened with his wrist. I mean, that's another thing. So, I mean, I don't know what, you, what you're going to do with like the wrist. If there's anything you can do, maybe there's like another type of uh, thing you could do for that. But that's another example of just, I mean, it's fluky. I don't think I've ever seen that happen with someone's wrist before, but it happened. It, it's hockey. There are skates involved. And they're sharp. You have to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, so uh, I, we're all in agreement with that. I didn't think we wouldn't be, uh, you know, so um, hope. go ahead, Mike. No, I, I think TJ Oshie gave the best response when asked about it. He goes, my kids, that's why I want to wear it. I want yeah. to wear it to be there for my kids. So I think the, the league as a whole has to say, you know what? We have to think about these guys' lives after hockey, as well as not just player safety, but the rest of their lives. You said it's a freak accident, but... Still, I'd rather yeah. err on the side of caution than yeah. see Why another moment it? like this. Why risk it? And here's the thing, too, is that, the you know, like I said, this is every hockey league should be doing this. It's not just the NHL. But the NHL is the league that most, most of the hockey world looks to for stuff like this. They need to lead by example and mandate it. You know, and and I would do it as soon as they possibly can. I mean, if it's if they can't mandate something like this until, I mean, I would I would just push it through now anyway. I'm who's gonna mm-hmm. like have a problem with that? Like, I would just right. starting, yeah. uh, you know, like next week they're mandatory or whatever. Like, if the players' association has no problems with it. Pass it through, put it in the CBA, whatever you got to do. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know anyone who would go against it. The NHLPA certainly would agree with it. They're looking out for their own players' safety. Mm-hmm. And the league is the one that should propose this. Yeah. So, yeah. all righty. So, uh, we will continue to kind of follow to see uh, what happens with the league and the Players Association and uh, other leagues, whether, you know, they, they make uh, net guards mandatory. Um, that like like I said, I mean, just uh, from a personal standpoint, when I played for uh, the six years that I played hockey, I always had to wear a neck guard. It was always mandatory. Like that was just something you did. It was part. Like they wouldn't let us on the ice if we didn't have one on. How come for my you know when I played in like seventh and eighth grade, like we had to wear those and no one else had to, like. We were doing the right thing. Everyone else should be doing the right thing too. It's not yeah. something where you know just because you're older and you're joining a junior league or an NHL team that like all of a sudden you just oh we don't have to worry about safety anymore because we're older. Like no, it's that's stupid. Um, yeah. But in any case, alrighty. Um, but um, uh, we will we will move on uh, from this um, and. Uh, 
moving on to some to some uh, lighter news um uh we found out i believe it was yesterday that uh longtime nhl uh superstar yammer yager will have his number 68 retired by the pittsburgh penguins um Yager, who I mean, is still playing hockey in the Czech Republic now. I mean, this guy's going to play hockey forever, right? It's, it's it's super impressive that a he was in the NHL for so long, but then also now that he, I mean, he's still, I mean, definitely one of the most passionate people I've ever seen play the game. But uh, they'll be uh, from the uh, Penguins themselves in yesterday's uh, article about this on their website. <clears throat> raise two-time Stanley Cup champion Yammer Yager's number 68 jersey to the rafters at PBG Paints Arena on February 18th versus the Los Angeles Kings as part of a pregame celebration. It was announced today by the club. Um, and, then it, and then it says here, Yager, whose NHL career spanned over two decades, is one of the most accomplished players in NHL history and a member of the league's 100 greatest players. In 1,733 career regular season games, the six foot three, 230 pound winger scored 766 goals, 1,155 assists, and 1,921 points. He ranks fourth all time in games played in goals, fifth in assists, and only Wayne Gretzky, 2,857, has recorded more points than him. No player in NHL history has more game winning goals than Yager's 135. Yeah, I mean, this this is one of the this is one of the biggest, um, uh, like, this was well deserved. This is well deserved. I mean, I, I truly believe that he is he like like what the points say. I think he is the second best player, but only behind Wayne Gretzky. To me, it's Wayne Gretzky, and then it goes Yarmir Yager as far as like best NHL players, best hockey players to ever exist. Um, and so th this is so well-deserved. I mean, I, I saw the end of his career when he was in Florida and he was still electric as all hell. I loved watching him in, in Florida. Um, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's played 24 seasons in the NHL, 19 times he's notched 20 plus goals and 15 times he's notched 30 plus goals. So more than half of his seasons, he had at least 30 goals and much more than half. He had more than 20 goals. This guy knew how to score. This guy knew how to put points on the board. This guy was a great player for any team he went to, and this is so well-deserved. Did we even mention that he has two cups? <laughs> yeah, I don't think he we went back-to-back to back with the Penguins. <laughs> he, yeah. I know. I don't think we even brought that up yet. I mean, the fact that, like, we didn't even bring up the cups he won yet, I mean, that just goes to show you just how, like, how just magnificent of a player he was when he played. He was he was so good. He had you have him on your team. I I mean yeah he 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 was when he came over he became my favorite ranger very quickly. Didn't mainly because not just because he was good the hair he had the hair and um my 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 two things with this one Fenway Sports Group. Make sure Mario Lemieux is there. I, I, I've heard some things, but you better make sure Mario's there. The, the other thing, I kind of wish they did this against the team he had also played for. I'm glad you brought that up because he yeah. played for like a lot of other teams. He, he played for the Rangers. He played for the Cavs. He played for the Devils, the Panthers, the Flyers. 
uh, the stars, you know. And, and how and, and how you could you could have done that is you could have went to Yammer and you said, "Hey, look, we want to do this for you." Like you do this like next year, and you say, "Hey, look, we want to retire your number. What team would you want to have this be against? Do you want it against the Caps, the Rangers, as you mentioned, Dallas? Uh, who who would you wanted to have your number retired uh, between the two te- us and whoever else you played for?" And then he could have said, oh, yeah, uh, Florida, for example, whatever. And then you make sure it's that game and you make sure that it's uh, it's able to work for everybody involved. But you do that with enough time where now it's not, you know. Because I like that when they do that against for the multiple teams. Yeah, before. because the other team can also honor him. Because yeah. Armir Yager, you know, he has the single season goal record for the New York Rangers. Mm-hmm. Like not many people would sit there and realize that they they would just presume, oh, it's a Rod Gilbert, it's, or it's Kreider when he scored fifty. No, it's Yarmir Yager. So, it, it, for did he play for the Rangers the second most out of? So, like, it was Pittsburgh was one, was the Rangers two? I can check this real quick. I because um, I, I felt like he was only with because like he went. He to was the- with Washington until the lockout. No. Was he okay, was, so that was only a few years, though. So he was with Pittsburgh from 1990 until 2001. So he spent 11 years there. He was with Washington from 01 to 04, so three, four years there. Rangers from 04 to 08, so four seasons there. And then he went back to uh, his. He went back to the KHL. Then he came to the Flyers, Dallas Stars, and Bruins from 2011 to 2013. He basically switched a team every year. Then he was with the Devils from 2013 to 2015, and then the Panthers from 2015 to 2017. And the Flames I completely from- forgot he was a Bruins. Yeah, I right. Well, yeah, because I think they were they were going to get like a Ginla, and then they got Yager instead, or something. yeah, something like that. They, they went to the 2013 Eastern Conference Finals with him. Yeah. No, I so, um. So the I, I think- obviously the so the second biggest time period is. He's tied with the Capitals and the Rangers. I think Washington was only three because if it was oh one four lockout. Oh, you'll no, lockout. Okay. No, but no, but if it's oh one to oh four, it would be oh one oh two and then oh two oh three and then oh three oh four. So there would be three seasons. It wouldn't be right. Hockey is the where you gotta count two years for one season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think unless they got him during. No, I think they traded for him. They. Caps traded for him in the offseason. Nope. Uh, signed. They signed him. Oh, he's a free agent. Okay. So la- um, it says later in 2001, the Capitals signed Yager to the, to the then largest contract ever in NHL history at $77 million over seven years. Yeah. Now now, now players just <laughs> that are good just make over that anyway. Yeah. Um, but all right. Imagine yeah, when you so- make today's game. Ooh, congrats, Yogs. Pe- Penguins Rangers would have been good for that. Oh, it would have been fantastic. Does he get his number retired anywhere else? No. It would have to be New York because he wasn't in Washington that long. And, and I don't think it's New York. I don't think the Rangers do it. I think if he had won a cup, 
Yeah. The Rangers would totally do it. Or, or if he had been there a little longer. Or if he like, stayed a little like, longer. Like maybe yeah. he doesn't go to the KHL and he spends those three years with the Rangers. Yeah, that, that then he probably gets it. I, I don't think so. I could be totally wrong. Uh, you yeah. know, if, if if James Dolan no longer becomes the owner and someone who buys it wants to retire it, I'd have no beefs with it, but I, I just don't think it happens. All right. All righty. Um, so now we have to talk about something that we teased uh, Well, <laughs> at the beginning of the episode. Um because we obviously this is the first episode that we're talking about since the season has begun, and uh, two teams have uh, really not been doing that well for in the Western Conference. Uh, one very much expected. Uh, I mean, maybe not as bad as they've been to an extent for some of these games, but we did expect them to be a rebuilding team for the next few years. Uh, and the other one is a team that we thought would be in the Cup conversation. So I think uh, that's a little bit of a shock there. So I think we'll probably just open the can of worms here, and we'll talk about the shock team that we thought was going to be a cup contender, um, and that is the Edmonton Oilers, uh, who right now, as I, as we speak, I got to look at the standings here. Um, they are twelve. They are two, nine, and one. They have five points. Yeah. And they, and they do play the Kraken tonight. So they play the Kraken tonight. It's important to note that they have the, I believe the, yes, they have the second worst goal differential in the league currently. As they have, wait, 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 wait. is the only team uh, behind them the other team we're talking about? Yes, they are. They gave up twenty goals in a two-game span. Doesn't <laughs> count. <laughs> um. Currently, the, the Oilers have 31 goals for the team, and they gave up 50 goals against. Oh, boy, that's bad. Yeah, and and the frustrations with Edmonton are, are there just, like, early on. I mean, we did not – I mean, they're 12 games in. We did not expect this kind of start. Um, I mean, and, and you look at the – I mean – Drysidel and McDavid. I mean, it, it, we'll get to McDavid in a second, but Drysidel and McDavid. You know, we we certainly expected more from them. I mean, especially. I mean, Drysidel has been doing okay given the circumstances. He's got 15 points in 12 games, five goals, 10 assists. But you you kind of expect with him how many points he ac- accumulates per season that he might have a little bit more than that. Um, maybe if the team was doing a little bit better. And Connor McDavid, we have to talk about him just because uh, he obviously was hurt. Uh, he missed a, he missed a, like a couple games because of it. Uh, and and, I, and the the belief, from what I understand from other people in the hockey world, is that he kind of rushed coming back. Um, I think he came back during the Heritage Classic against Calgary. Um, that maybe he was pushing it a little bit so that he could play, you know, he could come back and, uh, you know, and play for the Oilers um, in 10 game. I mean, he's a point per game player, but again, it's like what we say with dry It's not enough. Like McDavid in 10 games has two goals and eight assists for 10 points. He's a point. How good he is. He's a point per game player. And it's a disappointment. Like he, he only has two goals. 
the, the yeah the two goals is is crazy because like That's we so know like Connor McDavid is he should be much better than this and look I, I don't I don't want to really uh, speculate like this but just the way that he's playing and I know that you said he rushed back base possibly with the injury but this to me screams that this guy's given up he does not want to be in Edmonton he's just like screw it I I'm not trying this I is- don't think because it's too early for that like i mean it, it the thing is is that i i i really do because like i said i've heard from other people it seems like it's it's injury related but even if i mean look we know how athletes could be it they're gonna want to play at the earliest chance they could get even if it's not the most convenient for their own health why didn't the coach and the training staff keep him out it's my question. He's the best player in the freaking planet. Why is he playing when he's not 100%? Scratch coach and right organization. Oh, well, yeah, no, I mean, whoever's responsible. Why, why would the organization let him play her? Like, like, we could say it's a Jay Woodcroft thing, and whether it is or isn't, but you know if he's still feeling something, Oilers ownership, knowing the commitment they gave him, we're like, no. You don't play him. We're gonna wrap him in bubble wrap and wait till he gets better. Yeah. And right now, it has to come at the sacrifice of this team that is not very good. There's a lot of money in in players who have not played well. Uh, and I know people like pointing the finger at Jay Woodcroft and go, "Oh, you know, it's coaching. It's this or that." Who built the damn team? Yeah. Who built the team? Kenny Holland built the team. And listen, Kenny Holland, I respect you. You built the Red Wings. Uh, you're in the. I believe you're a Hall of Famer. I could have told you Darnell Nurse isn't worth nine million bucks a year. Yeah. I could have told you Jack Campbell. The only good thing about Jack Campbell is the fact that he produces great soup. Oh, dude, can I just get on the goalie situation? Because they, the, these stats are ridiculous. Stuart Skinner, eight games played. He has a 3.87 goals against average at a .854 save percentage. While Jack Campbell has a 4.5 goals against average and only a .83 save percentage. Jack Campbell has been so bad, he got put on waivers, nobody wanted his contract, so now he's playing for the AHL team. And his first game there, he gave up four or five goals. So, when you know goaltending was your biggest question mark, two years ago, that was our biggest question mark. Oh, well, we're going to sign Jack Campbell, who's been a career backup to this five-year, $20 million contract. Well, between that and Stuart Skinner, who had a great rookie year, we think we haven't solved. Newsflash. You didn't solve it. But then, that that's Golden. Defensively, they're not great either. Uh, you know, no one's going to get a pass there. But then let's go to my favorite spot, because everyone loves to talk about the Euler forwards. McDavid's great. Drysdale's great. We could talk about them all day. Ryan Nugent Hopkins makes $6 million a year. Uh-uh. 
He ain't good. He's not good enough. Evander Kane. Uh, Evander Kane's more known for what he's doing off the ice than what he's doing on the ice. Zach Hyman. All right, you, you wanted an energy guy. He's fine, but they still overpaid. And they didn't outbid anyone. They were bidding against themselves. Mm-hmm. And because you have this money tied up in a nurse, McDavid, Dryso, Nugent Hopkins, Kane, Hyman, Campbell, you know what you can't do? You can't have a bottom six. No. And that was such a big thing when they went to the conference finals a couple of years ago. Guys like Kyler Yamamoto played big. Derek Ryan played big. Now these guys are just, they're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and, and and that's the thing for me is, you know, you can have the greatest player in the game, but you still need a team around them. I, I mean, we're, we're seeing it time and time again. I mean, McDavid is probably certainly the best player I've ever seen play the game. I mean, in my lifetime, I mean, I, I don't, I can't attest for people who got to see Wayne or even people who got to see Gordy or Mario, but McDavid is the greatest player I've ever seen. And that's no offense to Crosby or Ovechkin or, you know, anyone else, McKinnon, McDavid's the guy who's the best player I've ever seen play hockey. And it do- it doesn't matter if you, I mean, if you have the greatest player, you need to have a good team because it's a team sport. It's not just, it's not golf. It's not tennis. It's you, ha- you need to have more around the guy and not just McDavid, but dry too. They're both, you have two of the greatest players in the sport right now and you don't have enough around them. So you're not going to, and look, you, you had to pay McDavid and Dreisaitl in order to keep them. But here's the reality of the situation. You can't keep them both if you want this to get better. You can't. I don't think you can. Now, I'm not saying get rid of McDavid. I, that's probably like the last thing they would ever do. But you might have to get rid of Dreisaitl. And you could get a haul for him. A mm-hmm. haul. That wouldn't cost you as much as his contract. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, you're, like, you're not wrong. But because it, here's the thing, we see these dynamic duo guys come up all the time: Kane and Taze, uh, Crosby and Malkin. Why did it work for those those groups? Because they had teams around them. That you, you know, Kane and Taze signed for ten point five each. I think it was. Okay, the Blackhawks knew how to build around it and they would move guys off, but because they had the the, the team and the system around it made it work. Pittsburgh, same thing. Yeah. They had a team and a system that was a be able to bought in. I don't know if the Oilers have bought in or if they just expected Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl just to carry them to a cup. And Which that, is not that, the way to go. It will never work. Right. Well, here, here's the perfect example. You know, like bring up Chicago Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Remember, we were talking about how great they were uh, when they set the wins record and the points record, and then Columbus swept them. It was the best thing to ever happen to the Tampa Bay Lightning 
because John Cooper said, okay, we realize now our skill's not enough to get us to win. I'm going to teach us how to play the right way. The Edmonton Oilers need something embarrassing to either wake up Ken Holland or to say, you know what? We, we, we can't have Connor and Leon do this all the time. Somebody has to step up. And who that, the question is, I don't know if that guy's on this roster. No. Well, and, and what I've heard too, you mentioned about Ken Holland. Um, Holland's contract is up after the season's over. So I there I think there's speculation that he's just going to walk into the sunset and just call it a career altogether. Uh, after should. That's with. Um, um, you, you, know well, what, you know what that smells like to me? Although well, I, I can't smell right now. It smells like a perfect opportunity for the next edition of the Statement Address. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk leaky oil on the next edition. We're talking about oil. We're going to talk yeah. about oil. Um, well, yeah, so I, I, we do also have to talk about the San Jose Sharks as well. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I just, and, David and look, needs a hug. To, to give, to give – uh, to give the Sharks any form of credit, which is very hard to do given their state of a team right now, but to give them any form of credit, at least they weren't projected to be a cup contender. They they are uh, they were not supposed to be good this year, so um, I didn't expect them to be uh, give up twenty goals in two games. Bad, but um, that here we are, and uh, in the span of a week, Edmonton has tied them in the standings. So. Or uh, not Edmonton. And they the beat Edmonton. The Sharks have yes. The Sharks have tied Edmonton. They, yeah, the Sharks have tied Edmonton in the standings, and they beat them in. Uh, and they beat them. Yeah, and and that's another thing too. Is even before that, like, like I the thing is, is from what I understand, like with the Oilers before we go to the Sharks, Woodcroft is like somewhat liked by. I, I, by the Oiler fans. I think it was Friedman that said he has, like, the best, like, I don't know, it was, like, win record or something like that in, like, Oiler coach history going into this season. Like, he's pretty good for them. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I think it's more of a Holland problem. But then, I mean, we know how it works with GMs. If you fire a GM, the new guy's going to want to get his own coach. That's just... Because if you say we want a guy that will let Woodcroft stay, you're immediately putting limitations on them as a general manager, and that that's not going to make the job uh, as attractive. Mm-hmm. But you also can't fire the coach every two years, right? No, you, you got to give a coach. I mean, some you time. fired Dave Tippett two years ago to bring in Woodcroft, and, and here would be the other question: Who are you bringing in when you fire Jay Woodcroft? Who's the guy? Yeah, yeah, I like, don't know. So, some someone's gonna say, "Oh, Joe Quenville." Well, he's got to get through the league. the The league has to approve of him coming over, coming yeah. back here. You know, um, Dan Bylsma hasn't done anything since he won the two cups with Pittsburgh. Uh, what else is out there that you truly love? Let, let me ask. Let me ask this question because obviously goaltending has been the, the one of the biggest topics about the the Oilers, um, and it, I mean it has been I think since we've done this podcast because we've literally talked about 
Uh, they never Kos- had a bit. Koskinen and Mike Smith and, um, you know, all, all these different guys. Um, but, but a name that was brought up uh, online that I, I'm curious about throwing the name out there, what would it take to get the, to get, uh, the Flyers to trade Carter Hart? Okay, that, that, that one at least works for me. I thought you were going to go a different direction, so I'm okay with this one. Um, the Flyers are going through a rebuild. How about a, a guy like Dylan Holloway? Young player. That could be something that the Flyers say, you know what, how about Dylan Holloway in a third-round pick, and, and we try that. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, or a second-round pick, maybe we could get something in there like that. Because I don't think the Flyers are going to want to take on a salary of Nugent Hopkins, uh, Hyman, Kane. That's not what they're going to do. Right. Bring in another young player. Maybe even make it a little bit more enticing for Edmonton if they, they're they skeptical on Holloway to pick. Like, we'll give you Carter Hart and we'll give you – I don't want to say Konechny because I don't know if they want to retain on Konechny. But, you know, maybe it's Carter Hart and a third for Dylan Holloway in a second, something like that. Mm. That, that definitely could work because, again, that's what – Oilers need badly. Carter Hart would at least be better than what they have now. I mean, they certainly need. And way he's more still young enough start. to where he can be your franchise guy. Yeah. yeah, Carter Hart's a good way to start. Uh, maybe trying to right the ship a little bit. I mean, I don't know. The, the ship's not getting uh, fixed this season. I mean, that I, I think there's a really good shot they're not making the playoffs at this well, stage. What? 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 Hold on. They got uh, Seattle tonight. And then they go. I still can't believe they're still tied with the Sharks. That, that's just the weirdest thing, still. But but they got the Kraken tonight. Then they got the Islanders. Then they got the Kraken again. Then they go to uh, make the two game Florida trip. Then they go to Carolina, Washington before they return home to play the Ducks, and before they go, return home to play the Ducks and the Golden Knights. And then they end the month in Winnipeg. Schedule's not going to get any easier either. No. Yeah. Like, you know, the Islanders can't score, but they can defend. And Sorokin's one of the best goalies in the league. The Kraken are coming off a great win over the Avs. I, I can't believe we're buried. I can't believe we're not even into December. We're burying the Oilers. Well, because like just I just don't see, I don't see them turning it around. No, I I don't either. That's what what kind of surprises me about. It. Yeah, I just no one saw this coming <laughs> like at all. Like like I said, people were picking the Oilers to be a cup contender. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe even to win the whole thing, and and just like you're just not getting the results. And yeah, you know what's funny? Can, can I relate this to another sport really quick? Sure. We and Nate, I'm gonna hurt your feelings a bit. Sure, I'm gonna relate it to the Bills. The Bills never recovered from 13 seconds, and, and you know you've seen some of the decline. The Oilers haven't recovered from the Avs beating them in the Western Conference Finals. Mm. 
yeah. a couple of years ago. Last year, they're able to get over the Kings because the Kings, you know, they didn't don't weren't scoring enough. But then Vegas punched them in the mouth, and you know they were not good against Vegas. So now. When McDavid and Drysaddle aren't having McDavid Drysaddle years, and the power play doesn't carry them, they're an average team. They are average Joe's Jim from dodgeball. That is what the Edmonton Oilers are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and we 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 do have to talk about the Sharks because I feel like we, we we've all just been. I mean, look. It's been fair because, I mean, like I said, at least with San Jose, we kind of knew they weren't going to be good. But like the Oilers, it's just been – it's hard to not talk about how bad they've been just because of the expectations they were supposed to have, that they're not even going to be close to meeting at this stage. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, but with the Sharks here, I've got uh, the stats up Um you know, and obviously, I mean, there's talk about, you know, they're, they're going to do their best to try to get Macklin Celebrini, which, I mean, they're going to need more than just Celebrini for this. Uh, for those who don't know Macklin Celebrini being uh, who's going to be going first overall in this upcoming draft uh, in the summer. Um, yeah, Celebrini they, they is going to need to be the start because they've got a lot of work that they're going to have to do here with, with this team. And, and they do have some young talent here. But uh, we, we, you talked about Hurdle and Couture. Tomas Hurdle right now, he leads the team in points, but that's not really, you know, it's not saying a whole lot. Hmm. Uh, Hurdle with two goals and seven assists for nine points in 14 games. Um, Fabian Sutherland, Zetterlin, who they got uh, from the Devils in the uh, Timo Meyer deal, um, he's next with a six points in 14 games, four goals, two assists. Um, and I want to mention, I wanted to mention Couture just because, um, just because has he played yet this season? And I just want to yeah, mention while, while you looked that up, Nate, I just want to mention you thought the Oilers goals against difference was bad. <sighs> the Sharks have scored 17 goals. So they're just over a point per game, a goal per game. They have given up 63. They gave up 20 in two games. 63 goals, which if I do some quick math here real quick, 63 divided by, is it 14? Yeah, 14 games played. That is an average of four and a half goals per game. If your offense has issues... Play the Sharks. You'll you'll look like a you'll look like you'll look like a juggernaut. You'll look like the '85 Oilers. Yeah. So Couture hasn't played yet. Um, Yeah. Which I which um, I I I didn't know he was he was out, but um, yeah. So, but I I don't know. I mean, obviously he makes a difference. He's their captain. But I'm curious what his stat line would look like between in in, uh, these 14 games here. Uh, plus minus would be minus. Tell you that. Well, no, yeah, I mean, pretty, yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. Um, and I know they made uh, they made a move. Um, they got Kalen Addison. Uh, I mean, this isn't going to be something that's going to be like you know completely changing the course of their team. But uh, I did think it was an interesting move getting Kalen Addison from uh, the Wild. Uh, he's played two games and he he's a minus five in two games. <laughs> Um. Oh, I. I mean, 
Listen, I love the plus minus step, but on a team like this, uh, I know, no, but I mean, like, I just, I just remember Addison getting traded from the Wild literally like a couple days ago. He's oh, already minus five <laughs> in two games. Yeah. Oh God. But here's the problem about the the Sharks, and and it's plain and simple. They waited too long. Well, they did. They sure. waited too long to do this. And, and first of all, I'm going to give kudos to Mike Greer. I'll finally say, you know what? It's time we start rebuilding this or retooling this the way I want it to be seen. But listen, that the group they had with Thornton and Marlowe and Pavelski and Kachur, and it was good for years. But then they went to the cup final in 2016. Yeah. Yes. And they thought, okay, we're going to double down and keep going. And it just, they were never able to regain that. And now you're in a situation where Kachur is on a longer term deal. Hurdle, they chose to sign a longer term. Uh, you know, Brent Burns, they were finally able to get out of that deal. Carlson, but because they, they, they doubled down and got Nara Carlson. And it just took them too long to recognize we're not winning. We're not going to win. And now it's just we have to play this out with some of these guys and to see, okay, maybe I can get Logan Couture to waive his no trade, but you're going to have to retain. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can get Hurdle to waive his no trade. But, again, they're going to have to retain money. So it's a tough job for Mike Greer now because now you're going to have to build this thing through the draft, make smart acquisitions, whether it's trade or free agency, like Kale Addison. Look, you're buying low on a young player. There's no it's, – it's low risk, high reward if you're the yeah. Sharks. And those are the deals you're going to have to make probably over the next couple of years – until you are able to get rid of Hurdle and Kitscher and be like, okay, we're going to build around however we're going to draft. The guys they got in the Team Meyer deal. And it's just the Sharks winning ways are over. This is reset. And it's just, it's going to take a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing, Sharks fan. At least you have a plan. You're not one of these teams that, oh, maybe we'll spend on this guy in free agency. I don't see that as a thing anymore. Just sit back, relax, and have faith in your front office. I, I want to ask a question because I'm, I'm, I'm also trying to just remember this back a couple of years ago. Because um, how long has Pavelski been in Dallas now? Uh, is it? It's been I like want to say it's been three years. Is this like the? F- I think this is the third year, but I will double check. Wasn't that. he there? Because he was the Dallas was in the twenty twenty Cup final, were they not? Yes. Yes. So wasn't he? But wasn't he there for that? I believe he was. Yeah. Because he, he was there, and then so was Corey Perry. Mm-hmm. Okay, Pavelski's been on the Stars since twenty nineteen twenty. 
and and twitters yeah so the 2019 offseason the sharks led i i I was off by a couple years so if i'm remembering correctly pavelski went to dallas and they had kept did they had they did they choose to keep to let pavelski go over thornton and marlowe Marlowe, I think, was in Toronto. I think Marlowe had come back, and I think I think Thornton was still there until he left for Toronto. My whole thing is, why didn't you keep... If you were going to try to keep going, why wouldn't you have picked Pavelski over them? I understand that Thornton and Marlowe are, are the two best players to ever play for your organization. You can retire their numbers. You can give them a full like day of celebration. By the way, shout out you Jumbo Joe them, on retirement. Congratulations to him. You can give them as many flowers as you want when their career is over. You still need to have a plan. I mean, talking about then, not now, but no, I, I, like, now they do. But like, why didn't you keep Pavelski then? Because he still could do it. No, you're not going to get an argument out of me. I, I think the reason why they let Pavelski go is because yeah. they got capped out. When they when, right. they, wound up get, when they wound up getting a, a Carlson and you signed into the deal they did and you signed Burns to the deal they did and then you got to focus in on they had to extend uh, Hurdle and Meyer. There's not enough money coming in. Yeah. That you, you, you'd be in a similar situation to what the Oilers are now. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, for that matter, the Leafs. There's a lot of money invested in players uh, that, you know, you have to make a business decision. It's hard. And you're not wrong, especially now looking back at what Joe Pavelski's done in Dallas. It's totally rejuvenated him. But. The problem is not what Mike Greer is going to do. The problem is Doug Wilson didn't recognize what he was doing. This took way too long. This team should have been in a rebuild after they lost the cup final to Pittsburgh. But instead, they doubled down, and that was their mistake. I think it's hard for a lot of teams to, if you don't win a championship, you get that taste of what it's like to not be like, well, we're fine with what we got. I because I mean you I mean you might even get fan criticism if you say oh yeah well we can't we couldn't do it we got to change some stuff up like you'd have wait a minute you almost did this why would you like change now why wouldn't you double down it seems like double downing when you're when you just miss a championship victory it just seems like that's the move I mean I think the closest the closest example I've ever seen to someone being like it didn't it like it, no no I take that back. No, I've never seen that happen. Where what, where a team what, has look at, the, look at the Rangers for a minute. Twenty fourteen, they go to the Cup final. Yeah. Twenty fifteen, they go to the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, then they started sixteen, and you know some things happened, and then they realized it wasn't the same juice. Jeff Gordon decided, okay, we're going to write the letter, and we're going to start this thing over. Yeah, that you, you know, I maybe I'm off by a year or so, but th- that's the decision you have to make because the Rangers, not not to make everything about the Rangers, but argument's sake, 
if the Rangers didn't get what they got out of a guy like Mika Zibanejad in that trade, maybe they don't even make a play for an Artemi Panarin in free agency. Maybe right. they don't do some of the things that they've done, which made them the team they are today. San Jose, in retrospect, just said, we're going to try to keep the good times rolling and not think about life after Marlowe and Thornton and Pavelski. And, and it's just, from a, from a standpoint of, we're okay, but you also got to recognize how good the West is. Mm-hmm. Because at the time, like, Colorado was dynamic. You know, you're dealing with an Edmonton team that's got a Connor McDavid. You've got St. Louis was good for a time. You've got these young up-and-coming teams. Nashville was really good. Winnipeg could say something. You have good teams in the West, so you shouldn't be afraid of saying, you know what? We're going to tailor it back a little bit because these teams might be better than us. We don't know. Yeah. But but that's the risk you take in saying you're going to rebuild. Right. Yeah. All right. We'll have to uh, we'll have to see what happens. You know, it's funny. We like kind of like broke down two different teams that haven't been doing well and we haven't even gotten to the statement address yet. Oh man, Oilers fans, tune in for the next episode. We're gonna have some fun. It was just the warm up for the first uh, uh, statement address of the season. Uh, so there you go. I guess a little bit of a bonus coverage, uh, but and a little bit of a sneak preview for the next statement address. But uh, Mike, I will give you the floor because uh, we will move on now to uh, your statement address for the first episode of the 2023-24 season. Who you got? All right, so everyone knows I have aspirations to go to Washington one day. So I'm going to tailor this as a political speech. Four score and seven years ago, actually it's not really true, four score and five years ago the Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup. I can't believe it's been five years. Yeah, it's yeah, really. Uh, so we're, we're going to talk caps. Then they made this – I'm going to be blunt here. They made this awful decision to not renew the contract of Barry Trotz. And then he went on to become the Islanders coach, and now he's the GM in Nashville. He got replaced by Peter Laviolette, who was fine. Now it's Spencer Carberry who's entering, who's entered his first year. Washington through 12 games is 6-4-2. And, and they did beat the Devils the other night, last night. So I'm picking a great time to work the Caps, I guess. Right when, right when they're right when they're kind of back on it. Right, right when they play well, even though they, they stunk up the joint at the beginning of the year. All right. Uh, let, let, let's start with the OBS. Alex Ovechkin, two goals on the year, 8-24 on his career. Moser, Sky, Dylan, Strom, six goals. And then Darcy Kemper, 3-3-2 three, three, with a 3.07 goals against and an 8.92 save percentage. He's been outplayed by Charlie Lindgren, who's 2-1, with 2-3-5 goals against and a 9.27 save percentage. All right. So now we're going to break down the money. Ovi, 9.5 million through 2026-27. 20, 
Evgeny Kuznetsov makes 7.8 mil through 25.26. TJ Oshie, American Hero, 5. Point, I think that's 7. 5.75 mil through 20.25.26. Tom Wilson has a contract that will kick in next year for 6.5 mil. I hate that contract. I'll tell you why in a minute. And John Carlson makes 8 million through 2026.27. All those guys have no trades or no movement clauses. Now, here's why I hate the Tom Wilson contract. Because Tom Wilson, this is not personal, but Tom Wilson is already, he's going to be 30 in March. So we're going to kick in six, six more years to a guy who's already 30, already coming off an ACL injury, and let's be real, I, I, I'm not sure the role Tom Wilson's going to play when some of these other guys are gone. So, so that that's why I don't love the Will, Tom Wilson contract. Now I get it. You made a promise to Ovi for as long as he's there, you're going to be a cup contender. But that doesn't mean anything to me because this team's not a cup contender. And then Nick Backstrom, he makes $9 bucks through 2025-26. He's out for the year. Uh, I, recovering from lingering injuries, he's not playing the rest of this year. So here's my outcome. First things first, I'm going to get on my hands and knees and I'm going to beg Nick Backstrom to retire. I'm glad you mentioned that. Because if you weren't, I was going to. Listen, I love the player. You're going to retire number 19. I'd have to look deeper into the numbers to see if he's a Hall of Famer or not. But he just can't give you what he used to give you. And I I don't like saying that, but he's – I think he's played his last game, not just in Washington, in the – in the league. All right, so we're going to break this down into two things. We're going to break this down to the trade deadline. We're going to break this down into the offseason. So the trade deadline, the Caps made a weird move this offseason. They signed Max Pacioretty, one year, two mil. Pacioretty's coming off an Achilles injury. If and when Max Pacioretty comes back and he plays well, I would ship him out. I, I would get a draft pick. I'd get a, a prospect. I don't care. It could be a fourth-round pick. It could be a, a pick that's conditionalized based on statistics he'd have to hit. Max is not a long-term cap. Last year at the trade deadline, you acquired Rasmus Sandin from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Young defenseman, pretty good. Extend him. You need a future here. Let, let, let's build it. All right, so those are the two deadline things, mainly because these other guys have no trade, so you're going to have to focus more on the offseason. Oh, boy. So we're going to start with an American hero. I love TJ Oshie. I'm going to trade him to the Arizona Coyotes. I'm going to trade him for two second-round picks, one in 2024, one in 2025. Washington, you have to build this thing back. 
This is not a look at where Pittsburgh is. You and Pittsburgh are on the same level. If you want to get on a little bit ahead of where the Penguins are, you have to build this thing through the draft. So TJ Yoshi, if Arizona will take the 5.2 or 5.75 mil, give me a 2024 second, give me a 2025 second. I'll use the picks however I deem fit. If getting Kuznetsov, we heard about the rumors in the offseason, I'm going to send you to the Winnipeg Jets. Mm. Put you behind Mark Shifley. I want back Nikolai Ehlers to make the money work. I'll take Morgan Barron, who, who can help out my bottom six. And I want a third-round pick in 2025. Now we're going to get to free agency. Now we're going to have some fun. Because remember the four. I said, we want to keep Ovi happy and make it a cup contender. We're going to sign a guy. Don't worry. We freed up money, so I'll sign a guy. I don't think Nate likes it. I, I would sign Sam Reinhardt. No, that's fine. That would be one of my top. I, he's younger than those other guys. He's played really well in Florida. So... Uh, that would be a guy I would look to target. It gives Ovi someone to play with. Got to be honest, I like the way Sam Reinhart has played for the Sabres and in Florida. So that would be my top choice. I, I would explore a John Carlson trade. I think you got to. He's worth something. He could quarterback a power play. He's still an elite defenseman. And you can replenish his production by bringing in a guy like Tyson Barry on a one-year deal. You know, I think that's something that will work. And then there's a guy I absolutely love on this team, but he's never lived up to his potential. I love Anthony Mantha. I do. I love him. The trade for Jake Vrana didn't work. Uh, you know, Mantha's been inconsistent. Vrana is had his own issues. We're going to trade Anthony Mantha to a team we just talked about. Anthony Mantha, here's your time to shine. You're going to go to the San Jose Sharks. In return, I want Kevin LeBanc, another guy who could be, who's on the last year of his deal. And if he plays well enough, I would be willing to bring back Hmm. The these are the options that Brian McClellan's got because listen, the team's playing well now, but I don't think Washington's a cup contender. No, I don't, I I that, don't believe that in shit that. Has sailed. Yeah, so you you don't want to be the Sharks. You gotta figure this thing out quickly. I know you made your commitment to Ovi, but now it becomes a sign of okay, this isn't working. Listen, I would never trade Alex Ovechkin. But if the time comes and you say, and he says, we're not a cup contender, I want out, you got to think about that too. Wow. I, I don't know if I could ever see that happening. Ovechkin on another team? I, I don't either. But if he wants to win and they're not good enough, you have to consider it. Oh, right. right. Yeah, I know. If he tells you, then yeah. Similar thing with Crosby and Pittsburgh. Like if he tells you, listen, we're not close, I want out, that or if he's okay finishing out his career, 
then we're okay with it. And speak and speaking of Pittsburgh, really quick, I mean they they have gone on to a slow start as well, which we thought they were going to be an easy cup contender. Well, they they're coming off a great West Coast trip though. They they swept California, so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that's what I would do with the Caps, man. Because this thing right now, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I I don't. It, it's like the it, they they look like the team that's trying to hold on to what they got and hoping that it's going to be enough, and it's just not. And it doesn't make enough. a difference if they're ready or not. They've got each other, and that's what they got for love. They're living on a prayer. They're Bob Jovi. <laughs> Nate, Nate, and Adam's favorite person. That's more. That's Adam more Bon Jovi. Adam than me. I don't mind Bon Jovi. That's more Adam. Yeah, that's more Adam. Adam. Adam hates that man. But, um, but yeah, yeah. Then, no, Washington is really weird because you have Ovi who's trying to go for the record and he really wants to win another cup. But you're right. I mean, they they are on a little bit of a hot stretch right now. But I I they're I don't see him as a cup contender. We had him as. We had them as what? I think we had just missed the playoffs at, in our uh, tier. Yeah. I mean, I had them seventh in the Metro just based on. Yeah, I think I, I had them like what? sixth or fifth or something. I kind of thought they were going to kind of mirror a little bit of last season where they just missed out. I kind of thought that it, they weren't going to drop too much. But, I mean, I mean, I thought they could have dropped a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, it's just I'm looking at the stats of this team right now, and it's just uninspiring. I mean, even Ovechkin had only two goals. He's two, only two goals in twelve games. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I look at a guy like Dylan Strom in the six, and I go, "That's a real positive because Dylan Strom could be a future number one center on this team because right. he's young and you got something." Outside of that, everyone in in five years. All these other guys, we don't know if they're going to be around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, it's, uh... it's interesting because they have – do you know what they are, Mike? They are what you say is the worst thing to be in sports. They're in the middle. Yeah. They're, they're going, yeah so, they are so in the middle. Really, at least if you're bad, there's some draft capital coming your way. That's that's very good. Right. Being mid – is why the is what to switch subjects, but I know from personal experience that's why the Bills were bad for so long is because they weren't bad, they were mid. Be, being mid in any sport sucks. Yeah, because you get no well, good draft capital, and you and you yeah, don't I mean, make I mean Nate, you you talked about you talked about the NFL. The Cowboys went eight and eight for three straight years, just missed the playoffs, and they they would draft like fifteenth or sixteenth overall. It's like you're not gonna get anything like. General, you you have to really get lucky. Yeah, the Bills under well, like Dick Duran were like Mister Seven and Nine, and it's just like this is this is atrocious. Like I mean, look out. at the team we talked about before, the Sharks. Yeah, you know they were really good, but they're picking in the high twenties. But they have nothing to show for. Right. You know, yeah. so you have to have a direction and. I get it. They made the promise to Ovechkin, but it's just the team's just not good enough. Now, no. granted, I don't think they saw the Nick Backstrom injury things coming in. But also, he's he's been playing for so long, and he's right. had injury problems. Yeah. Like, 
Let, Stop let, putting him on the ice. Let, let me let me throw a quick question to you, Mike. Though, sure. Let's just say the Washington Capitals defy our expectations, and it's the it's coming up on the trade deadline. And let's just say they're they're right where they are now. They're they're fourth in the Metro. They're just out of the wild card race. Mm-hmm. Do they? Do you switch your strategy? Maybe you try to get like players now in the at the trade deadline. The the only question I would have is what's the price tag? Like I don't think they're in a position now to where they could give up a first round pick in the deal. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, they could say, "Oh, I'll, I'll give up a first for a guy." And, Hope that carries me over because, but if you lose and you lose that first, it just feels like the double whammy. Well, it's another first down the drain. Now, if you could shed someone or you could shed a, a player for player deal, okay, I'll listen. But it dep- it has to be for me. It has to be a significant guy who can help me win a cup. I'm right. not going to trade for. Joe Schmo from the Minnesota Wild. Right. You, you know, it has to really make me a cup contender. Like, you know, Nate brought up Dry Seidel earlier. Like, if I'm the Caps, I would never do that deal. Mainly based on the fact of I have to, one, the money won't work, probably. But two, and more importantly, I need to think about life after Ovi. And I can't have twelve and a half million dollars tied up in Leon Dreisaitl, or eleven I'm, million, bucks, yeah. whatever it is. I'm going to ask this question, and I and I don't I don't know this team's. Uh, we're kind of getting off the caps, but I don't know this team's cap situation right now. Um, and after I bring up this possibility, I'm going to bite my tongue off. Um, what are the odds about Dreisaitl going to Boston? Well, I, I mean, John Buchagross posted something that I thought was really interesting on Twitter. And I think it would be Dreisaitl Dry was going to Boston and like Olmark and DeBrusque and one of the prospects that I think at first was going back. If you can make the, the money work, sure. But if I'm Boston, I don't know if I would trade Olmark at the moment. Because Olmark and Swayman is what's gotten them there. To I mean, what could, they are? Could you find a way to make? I mean, does it have to be Olmark? Would they not? Would you if you put Swayman in there, but added maybe a little bit more? I don't know draft capital or something. Could you make that happen? I mean, it's not like Swayman's bad. No, Swayman, Swayman is if like I'm Boston. I don't know if I do because all the Olmark Swayman duo has really worked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Swayman though yeah. is like on another level right now. Well, that's the like, thing too. But, but you're gonna have to give up something significant for Drysaddle. And the thing is, oh, I, I, I get it. That's why I don't know if Boston would be the team. Well, mm-hmm. well, and the thing is too is that they everyone's like, oh, I mean, including us. I'm not. I'm not excluding us from this either. Um, everyone said, oh, Berger and Krejci is gone. They're gonna just. Kind yeah, of fall they're playing great. Haven't fell. We've been waiting for them to fall for a long time, and they just defy the odds every time. Yeah, they, uh, they've played amazing, but 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 I think Drysital is a deal that would have to happen in the offseason. I don't think you could get that yeah, done at the cheap. deadline. Um, one more thing, and again, I'm I, I mean I'm not saying we got to stop talking caps, but I this did just sure. happen today. Um, so I am going to throw this out there. Um, after the Leafs-Flames game last night, 
uh, I woke up to this news that uh, Nikita Zadorov requested a trade. <laughs> so I two names that I saw were one Toronto and uh, who they just played. And the other one was uh, the Devils, I believe. Uh, so if if your if your Zadorov's I, I guess whoever you are in this scenario, where do you think Zadorov goes? Where do you think? Because I, I I expect he'll get moved probably in the next week, if not less time. Where does he go? Does he go to Toronto? Does he go to the Devils? It seemed well, like Toronto he, was the big talking point, but that's that's Toronto nothing. needs defense. But yeah. my question back would be, what's Toronto giving Calgary? Yeah, but like that—that's the question for me. You, you know where I think Zadorf could really work, and I'm—I'm I'm not trying to to go outrageous here, but I—I I think I look at a team that could use a little bit more physicality on the back end. What if Dallas could pull that off? Ooh. Interesting. It, I think Dallas can use some physicality. I, I the the Islanders could use a defenseman, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, Carolina. If Carolina could get physical in the back end, maybe they yeah. trade a. Maybe that's a deal they could do straight up. Brett Pesci for Zadorov. I did bring up about the idea about like should the Sabers inquire about him? I mean, we we did have him already, <laughs> but uh, we, we drafted him, uh, which I'm sure a lot of people have actually forgotten that that was a thing. But um, I mean, the thing is, is that we also have Clifton, uh, you know, who provides physicality. Um, I don't know. I I just I know we're not the biggest checking team, and I it wouldn't be the worst thing to have another like checking defenseman but i did bring this up to a friend of mine who is a sabers fan and he kind of thought we were good on defensemen especially because of the emergence of ryan johnson from rochester he's been playing pretty well so i'll tell you what zadorov could also probably play for torts mm. oh ooh, in philly oh he, like, he plays I know he's not in the, the class right now of buying right now but boy I think that's a guy Torts would just love. I think Torts would love him. Well, and I'd also say Vancouver, the... but they're up on the cap anyway, and I don't know if Calgary and Vancouver would make a deal. I, Philadelphia fits that whole Broad Street bully thing because we know how Zadorov plays. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, oh, that'd be interesting for sure. Um, yeah, but I just thought I'd throw that out there. I forgot to to uh, to mention that because I figured we we did need to talk about that a little bit because that did just happen. Calgary's um, another one; they're a mess. Mm. Well, and and on defense, they're going to be losing a couple people because uh, I, I mean, obviously Zadorov just re- requested a trade. Hannafin's wanted to leave. I mean, it's, I've I've heard that some players in Calgary have kind of changed their mind. Like I had, I forgot where I heard it from, but I heard uh, uh, someone kind of tied in mentioned that Lindholm had kind of changed his tune about wanting to leave and that he'd be willing to stay in Calgary. But Noah Hannafin does not want to stay in Calgary. Like that, it doesn't sound like his opinion is going to be changing on that at all. And it's not that he just doesn't want to be in Calgary. It sounds like he, he wants doesn't to, want to be in Canada. He wants to play in the states. So. Um, I'm curious how who 
Who gets him? Yeah, if we're you're talking about someone trading for a defenseman, does he go back to Carolina? I, I mean, if they're going to do Pesci straight up, I mean, maybe that's a deal. Uh, you know, again, I don't think Hannafin's a Dallas guy. I think that would be more Zadorov. Does Boston need another defenseman? Boston does not need another defenseman. Yeah, they don't. Uh, you know, the Islanders could – I still think the Islanders could use defense. The Islanders could use a lot – you know what? You know who has a ton of picks? Barry Trotz and Nashville. And Ooh. I'm not guaranteeing they use all those picks. Hannafin is a predator? Or Zadorov. I, I could see either one in, in Nashville. Ah, get them both. <laughs> Why not? Here's another one. Like, I mean, uh, I had one in my head. I, I don't think St. Louis would do it. Didn't you mention to me about Drysidle in Nashville the the other day? Oh, I said yeah, yeah. What? Let, let let's go, Drysidle in Nashville. I, I I'm all in on Barry Trotz making deals. Um, Drysidle and O'Reilly as your top two centers in Nashville would be ridiculous. I mean, they can't afford them either one, uh, but Tampa could use some help on the back end. <laughs> Hannafin, yeah, that'd be. But they would need they would need a third team to eat money, so that would either be Arizona, Montreal, San Jose to an extent. Like that's where that's where Mike Greer can really make his money, being the third team eating money on some of these deals. That would be really beneficial for San Jose. Yeah. Oh, a lot of a lot of good. Uh, we got the statement address. We've got some stuff with the Oilers and the Sharks. This Washington, let me know lot. how I did, and then the Rifkin twenty thirty two campaign can begin. Rifkin <laughs> hey, for president. Hey, look, we need to start building your campaign for being the Oilers general manager because that, that's next episode. Justin Trudeau, Kenny Holland, look out! I'm gonna be coming for you guys. <laughs> Hey, Trudeau is if if you got Trudeau's uh, endorsement, you know that, the, that I'll be the next Prime Minister of Canada. Let's go. The first ever Prime Minister of Canada and President of the United States, Mike Rifkin. <laughs> Take it over. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, uh, All right. Mike, I, I know you also wanted to mention before we head out about the uh, the Hall of Fame. Yes. Hall of Fame induction ceremony this Monday. The 2023 class will include Tom Barrasso, Pierre Turgeon, Mike Vernon, Caroline Olette, Ken Hitchcock, Pierre Lacroix, and Ranger legend Henrik Lundqvist. Oh, what a deserving class. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great class. Oh. Part of me was wondering whether Turgeon or Barrasso were ever going to get in. I mean, I know they were right on the cusp of that for a while. Uh, they had been eligible for a long, long time. But so it's good to see that they, that they were able to get in. Our our camp, next campaign get Alexander Mogilny into the hall. Hey, net. I, I know. Okay, let me ask you a hypothetical question because he's going to become eligible this upcoming off season. Do you think Ryan Miller would ever get in the hall? You think he? Do you think he did enough? 
Not first bout, but I think he can get in. He, is he, he making, the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame? Not yet, but I know he's going to – I mean, he's statistically the best American goalie right now of all time. So he'll he'll get in there at least. I, I think he's going to be a tough call. I would, I would personally say probably not. Yeah. Because I look at the era, and, and listen, this is not a knock on Ryan Miller. If he won a cup, but you, you're talking Henrik, you're talking Brodeur, you're talking Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah. You know, he was Jonathan Quick. Luongo. You know, those guys are the givens. If Ryan Miller got in, I wouldn't be against it. Yeah. No, I, the reason I asked is because they were when they though they had announced those picks back in the summer, they went, "Oh, these are the first year." Some people were like, "I saw a list. Oh, these are the first year eligible eligible players for next year." And Miller was one of the people mentioned, and I'm like, "Oh, okay. I didn't know if we if we were going to have this conversation or not, but someone put him in there along with first year eligible people that would be, you know, the first time they'd be eligible, not that they would be a first eligible pick, but yeah. first time. Right uh, right now, I'm looking at some guys who are first year el- eligible. Excuse me. Excuse me. Patrick Marlowe's probably going to get in. Yeah, yeah. That's who should get in. I, I mean, another interesting one here, right under Ryan Miller, is Pecorine a Hall of Famer? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, it's very hard. Yeah. Uh, like, I look at a guy like Nicholas Jalmerson, who's also first-year eligible. Like, I love Nicholas Jalmerson. I thought he was an unsung hero for those Hawks teams. He's not going to have the point totals, but he's got a very interesting case. Let me ask mm-hmm. one more question, and then and then we can – we can we can end the podcast because I know this is we've kind of gone off the rails a little bit with different things, but shout um, out Ozzy Osbourne, crazy trick. If you talked about if Miller had won a cup, mm-hmm. he, he he would probably go in. If he won the gold instead of a silver, does he get in? You, that could also play a huge. Henrik Lundqvist won a gold in 06. so yeah, that yeah. could make a difference too. Yeah, because I because I wondered that too. Obviously, with because uh, he was very close in 2010, but oh. um, I remember watching that Crosby goal. No, is it always Sidney Crosby? Why? Why is it like, always Sidney Crosby? Crosby owned him like that entire season because I think he got like a hat trick against him, like the month prior or something like that. I might be confusing years, but there was one oh, year where Crosby literally just owned us the entire year. Oh, but unreal. All right, Mike. So congrats to the hall of fame class of 2023. Yes. Take us home, Mike, with the, uh, the how right. they can follow us. You can listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Check out the website, www.thesportsandcinematic.com for your blogs, logs, planes, trains, and automobiles. You can follow us on Twitter. Yeah, Lonnie, it's still Twitter. Podcast at SIM Breakway. The network at S Insanity Real. And we're also on the Facebook. Take that, Zuckerberg. All righty. Uh, th- th- thank you all for tuning in to this episode 
of the Breakaway Bandits podcast. This is the first episode, obviously. Uh, we're about a month into the season at this point that, that we're recording this. So it was good that we got a good chunk of games in there um, to uh, to react to and stuff like that. And uh, obviously uh, talked about some, some teams that we'll see where they go uh, in the next coming months. A lot of fun games ahead. Uh, it's always great to have hockey season among us. But uh, to wrap this up, for Mike Rifkin and Noah Tremblay, my name is Nathan Moser. Thank you once again for tuning into this episode of the Breakaway Bandits podcast, part of the Sports Insanity Network. We will catch you again next time. Oilers, you're next. <laughs>